Welcome to Ask Away with Vince and Joe Vitale and hosted by Michael Davis. Vince and Joe Vitale are currently leading the Zacharias Institute. Both hold doctorates from the University of Oxford, Vince in philosophy, and Joe in women in the Old Testament. In a world that increasingly sees the Christian faith is irrational and irrelevant, it is more important than ever for believers to be prepared to give a defense for the faith. Ask Away is brought to you by Robbie Zacharias International Ministries. It's time to Ask Away. Hello, and welcome to Ask Away. We just want to start out by thanking so many of you who've reached out over the last week. Obviously, it's been a really difficult time for all of us here at RZAM. And I know that for many of you, it's been a hard week as well. And many of you are also grieving the loss of Ravi Zacharias. And uh, we had so many people reach out after our last podcast as Vince and I were reflecting on our shared memories of Ravi, the, the person, not the person on the platform, but who he was, the man, what he was really like. And a lot of you mentioned how helpful that had actually been to you as you were grieving yourselves just to hear about Ravi, to be comforted, <laughs> to know the stories and um, just that that helped you in this stage. And so quite a few people had written in to ask if we could do some more of that and help you to get to know Ravi behind the scenes a little bit better. And so we really wanted to honour those requests. And so that's what we're going to be doing again on this episode of Ask Away today. And as we're reflecting on who is the person who could really speak the best to what Ravi is really like and someone who just knew him incredibly well. And so we wanted to invite in our friend Sanj Kalra this morning. Sanj is the Vice President for Strategic Partnerships at RZM. He's also a speaker for the ministry. And another time we'll have to get him back on just to share his testimony with you all because it's a remarkable story of what God has done in his life. But uh, Sanj in his role at RZM has actually been traveling uh, with Ravi for unofficially for the last six years, officially for the last five. But Ravi always referred to Sanj as his right-hand man. And um, so Sanj has just so much experience of Ravi on the road, the real Ravi, <laughs> you know, once you're finding a restaurant or, you know, in the car or journeying together. And, um, and it was always a joy to be around the two of them together, actually, just to see the way that they loved each other, the fun that they would have. I know that ministry can be extremely draining when you're traveling a lot, when you're away from family and you miss them. And and what always stood out to me was uh, the difference that we would see when uh, Sanj would be with Ravi, actually just the joy and laughter that, that Sanj would help bring out in him. Ravi had a hilarious sense of humor, <laughs> um, but uh, Sanj always helped bring that out. And I think just brought a lot of joy uh, to Ravi in those years. So I always felt like that the friendship that you guys have was just a real gift from the Lord to both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Sanj, thank you for joining us today. I know it's not easy at the moment to even talk about um, about these things, but um, we really appreciate you sharing with us today. And I guess the starting question for me would just be, um, because what I find fascinating is the way that the story of how you came to know Jesus Christ and then came to know Ravi, they actually intersect in an amazing way. So just tell us a bit about who you are. And I know we don't have time for the whole thing, but how it all began. Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me on uh, your podcast. I admire both of you and um, it's an honor honor to be here with you both, Vince and Joe. Um, you are a example of Ravi's legacy that'll continue. Um, so get to know these th- this power couple, <laughs> as you <laughs> may. Do about that, but. <laughs> you know, I, I got saved uh, 10 years ago almost. Uh, I have an easy uh, date, and it's a date that I never forget. It's 6-8-10, so that's coming up in about a week. 
I was living a very duplicit life and uh, wanted to end my life. I didn't find any meaning of it and went to a church that I used to periodically attend and looked for an African-American pastor that I had a, a connection with who I never met, but I felt I had a connection. God was pulling me towards this gentleman, and um, he ended up meeting me that afternoon and shared the gospel w- with me. And I had never heard the gospel the way he explained it to me that day. And from that moment on, I wanted to let everyone know about Jesus. Everyone that was coming in my way, uh, friends, family, neighbors, strangers, except for two people, which was my mom and dad, because I came from a Hindu background and I was very afraid and worried about telling them. Uh, you know, I come from a honor-shame kind of culture and and those kind of things were going through my mind. But it was a a friend of mine. It was actually a customer by the name of Russ Raymond uh, from the Cleveland Clinic. He shared with me that I should be listening to a guy named Ravi Zacharias. And I remember that day he wrote it on a piece of paper, and and I went to a Christian bookstore and looked for his book, and I found his his biography, Walking from East to West. And the only thing I wanted to do with that book was I wanted to turn it around to see if his picture was there. And it was a picture of Ravi, and he was Indian. And I was so (laughs) excited because he was Indian, I was Indian. And now I realize that there were at least two Indians that loved Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And so from there, I began to read his book uh, in the car and then began to listen to YouTubes, and then it was his CD that I received from RZIM, Jesus Among Other Gods, uh, which I would listen to over and over again. And every time I would listen to it, and every little nugget that I got out of it, I kept saying, I wish my parents could hear this message. I wish they could hear this message. And it was Ravi that started out for me as a... Christian hero. Because prior to that, I didn't know who he was, or uh, people call him a spiritual father to them. But he was was that kind of person to me um, at first. Like, wow, I didn't even know this man existed. And the way he portrayed the gospel message in such a way, I knew my parents would not um, want to listen. And so he gave me confidence and I began to witness to my parents. Finally, I had the courage because of Ravi and and apologetics and his team. It was a very tough conversation. Um, And um, from there, my mom began to read Ravi's biography. I sent him his book. And then she asked for another book and another book. And then she was open now to read God's word. She began reading the Gospel of John. And um, I knew that she was interested, but she kept saying, I'm just here to prove that you're wrong. Hmm. Um, At the same time, my wife had a fantastic idea that maybe we should go and see Ravi speak live sometime. My parents lived in Ottawa, Canada, and then Kay and I lived in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, Ravi was speaking in Toronto. And so it was almost like a four-hour difference in between us. (laughs) So... Uh, I was able to write an email. Um, at the time, Ravi's assistant was Corinne Bear, who's on our team. He received my email and said, um, sure, love to meet you. 
no guarantees of meeting Ravi sort of thing. <laughs> and did you just write into the general, yeah. the general RZM? Something know, like that. Address. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. yeah. So from there, Vince, um, they knew that I was coming. We sat up in the front because I got there early. My, my mom walks with the cane, so they were able to put her up front. So the four of us sat there. And I'm going to tell you something. Ravi did something that he's never done since. I don't know if he's done it before that, but he had never done this uh, since that evening. Uh, when Ravi walked out, I nudged my wife and said, there's the guy. That's the guy I've been listening to. <laughs> and he was about uh, 15 feet away. And um, he was introduced now after the first um, speaker, but he didn't walk up on stage, Vince. What he did was he walked into the crowd and he walked up to my mom and dad because his assistant told him that my parents had come a long way to see him. Mm -hmm. And he introduced himself and he talked to my parents for at least a minute. But he first talked to my dad out of respect. And then, then he walked back up on the stage wow. and then gave a message and typical Ravi message. It was exactly for my parents or whoever was in the audience. But um, after that, uh, Joe, I got a tap on the shoulder from Corinne uh, that uh, Ravi would like to meet us afterwards. So I was excited because I was going to get my book signed. <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of your expectation. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we were invited in the green room, and if you've ever been backstage with Ravi, he's mobbed still with a lot of people that want to meet him. And uh, we waited uh, patiently, and then they brought my mom and dad and my wife and I, and my mom began to talk with Ravi and my dad, but it was my mom that engaged. And uh, they began to have a lot of dialogue, and it started on the subject of India, and then the subject of her uh, Hindu background. And then from that moment, Ravi shifted the conversation to Christ. And that's when there was silence actually in, in the room. There were several people in that room watching what was going to happen. And, and, and in fact, I remember looking over Ravi's shoulder, seeing Margie waving her hands for everyone to lower their voices right now. Hmm. She could sense what was happening. She could sense what was happening. Mm -hmm. And what happened was a series of questions that, that Ravi was able to answer for my mom. And then, my, then he asked a question to my mother. It was all about the sacrifice. Where is the sacrifice? And that the sacrifice can only be found in Jesus Christ. And then my mother sort of looked up in the air and shut her eyes in and said, I've yearned for that my whole life, eternal life. And wow. then Ravi invited her to follow Christ. And she said. <laughs> and she said, yes. Wow. And boy, did she cry that, that evening on <laughs> Ravi's shoulders. And that's how I met Ravi Zacharias, uh, just by first being in, in awe of his way of delivering the gospel and of reaching a 70-year-old Hindu mother through his messages and through his dialogue. Uh, we, we all intellectually know the gospel, but the, it's the way Ravi did it. He met my mother where, where she was at and then asked pertinent questions, and what he did best was he listened and listened, and then he asked his questions.
It was beautiful. We were shocked, actually. Yeah. You were hoping you might get your book signed. <laughs> Did he get your book <laughs> It was signed? a little better than that. <laughs> he signed it. He and signed he, the book. And the signed book. And he signed the book. Hands down, he signed that Hands book. Hands down. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Well, okay, so continue. This is just wonderful and uh, just beautiful to remember all of this, Sanj. And continue the story for us from there until how you wound up on the team. You, you didn't make it overly easy on Ravi. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good to laugh. Um, yeah, so we exchanged e- emails that evening, and uh, I wrote him a letter on how my mom was doing, and then he wrote me one lo- long letter back, and we met up in Washington, D.C., where he was speaking, and uh, I sat next to Margie, uh, boy, and this is something I've never said, but I said to Margie, don't you get excited when he's about to speak? And <laughs> she said, Sanj, Ravi's an anointed man. He, mm-hmm. And I just said, wow. And I was a new Christian, and I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't even know what that meant. Right. <laughs> you know, and I wrote um, Margie a letter before Ravi's passing on that story of just her answer was just crystal clear. Of, of his calling. And so I sat next to her and then she whispered and said, you know, he's got a, he, Ravi has a bit of a surprise for you and he wants to ask you something afterwards. So I was very excited. Wow. And what he did was he weaved in his message, my, you know, my mom's conversion oh, wow. story, which happened about a month ago and how it is possible because the message was, has Christianity disappointed you basically. Mm-hmm. And he always gave hope and used that illustration of my mom. But afterwards, um, I was going to leave and uh, he, she said, no, he wants to ask you something. And he was mobbed. And I walked through the mob with Margie because everyone knew it was Margie. So they all moved away. And <laughs> Ravi actually was on stage and I was below the stage and, and, and he bent one knee down and was so happy to see me. And he said, I would like for you to come and speak at our annual Founders Conference and share your story. And I'd like your mom to come. Oh, wow. And did you have any idea what he was going to ask you? No idea. No, no, no. And I, and so my answer was no right away. <laughs> I, the, and, the first and only person to say no to Ravi when asked to speak somewhere with him. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and my friend Bob Bevington was with me and he literally whispered in my ear and said, you don't say no to Ravi Zacharias. And, <laughs> and I said, okay, um, just, just give me the details. Uh, I'll do it. And uh, so from there, I spoke at Founders. And why did you say no at first? The initial instinct. To be 100% honest, um, I struggle uh, with my speech and I have a, a stutter. So to speak publicly uh, is horrifying to me. And to speak at that kind of level and at, at, at a conference, it, it wasn't even a, a thought. It was a no. <laughs> I don't mm. do yes. that. Yes. Uh, because I, was, I would have been so nervous wow. to do it Wow. more than anything. I'm just thinking of how beautiful it is to see the way that God weaves things together. There was a time in Ravi's life where that would have been just unthinkable, unbelieving teenager on a bed of suicide who hadn't performed well within his family. Mm. And the thought of what God was going to do with him would have been inconceivable. And now he's asking you to speak something specifically that you think you can't do well, and then you become a speaker as part of his team. Mm. It's really, really beautiful. 
Wow. Well, I didn't think of it like that, but mm. uh, but you know, if you look back, yes, all of that is true. Uh, I am an encourager, as all you guys know. Um, so, yeah. So I spoke, and uh, then uh, we kept in touch a lot. Uh, I was working. I was working in the medical device field, very successful at that. So things were going well. My marriage had been uh, reconciled and many relationships were um, being reconciled and I was falling every single day madly in love with Jesus. Uh, But we just kept on writing to each other and we met up in uh, Chicago at the Moody Bible Institute Mm -hmm. and uh, he was speaking there. And being in Cleveland, I was able to drive. I went up with a friend named Jared Florian and we went there and uh, we had dinner with him uh, the night before, and then uh, the next day he said, why don't we have lunch together? And I was like, um, sure, only me? He goes, yeah, just just you and I. Let's have lunch. And I was like, wow. And so, you know, again, he's this um, spiritual father, hero of the faith kind of guy to me right now. And uh, we uh, sit down for lunch, and he— Till his day, he always beat me. So he was there early. He's always there early. That's one thing you should know about Robbie. He he will get there earlier than you, I promise. We would always have <laughs> yeah. these stressful conversations. Be like, we can't be late for Robbie. But no matter wh- wh- how early we got there, he was always <laughs> yeah. there. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. And so I was like so early because I'm also like that. But there he was waiting for me at the table. And then we sat down and there was a quick hello, how are you? And he leaned forward and asked me a very poignant question. He said, so Sanj, (laughs) what is God telling you to do? And I had an answer this time. It was, I said, Ravi, I just want to tell everyone about uh, about Jesus. Mm. And he says, well, I can make that happen. And my whole back got wet. I began to sweat. <laughs> and I went, what did I just say? What is going on here? From that moment, something, God was working us both. That, that particular lunch meeting, um, I was talking to one of Ravi's assistants, Priscilla David, and she said a beautiful line about Ravi. And that day, that line was pertinent for me. She said, Ravi Zacharias finds gold in everybody. Mm. Mm. He sees it in everyone. And that gold is grace. He saw something that day, a layman like me, and said, well, I can make that happen. And what happened was um, a month later, I went to uh, Malaysia and the Middle East and shared my uh, testimony, uh, my raw testimony, prior to him when he would give the main message on that particular trip. And it was on that particular trip when we we began to uh, eat meals together, every meal together, and we just got to know each other on that particular trip. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that was in 2012. And what were your first impressions then in terms of traveling with Ravi? I mean, did you have a preconception of what that would be like? And and then how was it? Yeah, there was this, um, first of all, the celebrity thing, I guess you'll call it, wore off very, very odd quickly because he never made me feel like that. Mm-hmm. Being on the road was extremely organized and in high demand. His time was always, always in demand um, of meeting after meeting after meeting. It, as soon as a country or city 
found out that he he was in town. Um, they wanted to meet with him. They had skeptics they would like to meet with. They would have business people, whatever it was. And boy, did he, he always took those meetings and he took them seriously. So that's what I saw at first, the busyness of it. And then the actual blocking of time for him to prepare for the message. He studied. I promise you, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, he studied on the road all the time. Okay. I mean, sometimes I would come up to his room for whatever reason and his books would be laid out everywhere. Uh, and his notes and all that. And he was always constantly reading and studying. And um, so that was one part that I learned that he, you know, this guy was a veteran. <laughs> um, I was very new and, and very green and I was excited to be in these new places. And when he'd study, I'd go sightseeing, <laughs> you know, because I'd never been to half of these parts of the world. You know, I was born in India, but uh, so, uh, um, but the highlights were always the meals, guys. And that's when we got to know each other. And I remember Chuck Colson saying that he only hired, hired broken people at his organization. And I think that's what Ravi looked at, that he saw that I was a broken man that got saved, you know? And that was my response, that I couldn't believe I got saved mm. every day. Till this day, it's still emotional. It still hits me. And I think he saw that and... It encouraged him that that Christ is real, that if he can take a man like me. <laughs> and even, even Ravi himself, I don't think there's been one message where he, he doesn't put his testimony in there. I, I don't think yep. he plans it, but it just naturally happens. And if he doesn't, well, th there's a reason that, that he calculated not to put it in there. He always reminded me never to forget mm -hmm. where I came from. Yeah, he never lost that sense of who am I, that God would be mindful of me. Yeah. I feel like Ravi, no matter how successful he was at what he did, no matter how many people were responding, he never lost that sense of this was all God and what God had done and not a shred of it is something I could have done by myself. Mm. What would you say were some of the greatest challenges for Ravi about being on the road? What were the struggles? Yeah, I think the the main struggle for Ravi was being away from Margie mm -hmm. and the kids and then the grandkids in that order and then the team. Uh, it is a very difficult calling. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is, is full-time ministry and mm. you two can understand it. And now you've got a child and one on the way. Um, being away is very difficult. Um, and, you know, and then obviously rest. You have to get rest, otherwise you're going to burn out. And so we would get there at least a day before, if possible, and in between countries get some, get some kind of rest. And a lot of it was on the planes. So we had a lot of fun in airports and on airplanes. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, and you well, mentioned the meals as well. I'm thinking of the, the first time I ever had a meal, uh, just the three of us with Ravi and Sands and myself. I was sat, we were at a table for four, but one of the sides was up against a window. So it was Ravi, my, myself in between the two of them, and then Sands. And they began this debate about certain types of cheese. 
<laughs> that sand will not eat and that Robbie really feels that sand should try and should eat. And they must have gone back and forth for about 10 minutes with me kind of half joking, but really having fun with it with me as sort of a mediator in between them. And I, I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah, boy, you know, uh, traveling was very hard, but doing it with someone else made it easier. But food was his love language. Mm-hmm. He even said that was that was my sin, food. <laughs> he loved food. And to have a meal with me um, in a particular time away from his family uh, was something that we both looked forward to. He yearned always to have a meal with Margie whenever he came home. And it wouldn't matter what the food is when it was with Margie. But with me, it was fun because we enjoyed so, so much cuisine. But if there was something that I didn't like, as Vince said, which was <laughs> smelly cheeses, he just couldn't get over it that I that I didn't like like the taste of Parmesan. So, uh, but I like mozzarella. So you know, uh, but we would just uh, be so comfortable with each other, and uh, you know, I think in a friendship, it's. Uh, it's something Bob Grinnell on our uh, development team said. He said that friendships are never forced, Sanj, is what he told me. They're just natural. And yours and Ravi's friendship was a natural friendship. And if you're listening now, just, you know, if you think of any one of your friendships, they're all pretty natural. You don't force yourself on it. You know, the way I met Ravi was to sign a book. I never had any intention of having a friendship. I really didn't. It just kind of naturally happened. But I think that shows with Ravi. He had many friendships. I remember leaving a very um, beautiful, beautiful home in a foreign country. It was massive. And I remember leaving it. We did a lot of those private talks in in people's homes. And I remember saying, Ravi, boy, these people are so wealthy. And, and I said the word rich. And he said, Sanj, we may not be rich, but we're rich in relationships. Mm. He says, I can go in any country and pick up the phone and and have a meal with a friend. Mm. And that's what matters the most. Mm. I always felt like the richest relationship Ravi had was with Margie and, well, after Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I have learned so much from marriage from the two of them. Yeah. And um, I remember Ravi saying that, um, I think one of our students in Oxford had asked him the question, you know, like, what relationship advice do you have, you know, in terms of trying to figure out who to, you know, if you're going to get married, who you spend your life with. I remember Ravi saying that whoever... Um, whoever God puts you with has to be twice as committed to the call as you are. Um, and that really struck us um, because that was so true of yeah. Margie. Like, yeah. I felt like she was unwavering in in seeing, like you said, the anointing of God in his life and holding him to it, even at times you know, when he might have been like, I want to be home with the family. And she said, yeah. oh, but it seems like God is opening this up for you. She was so for what the Lord had called them to as a couple. And she didn't see it as just his ministry, but, you know, something they shared and they prayed into and they and they walked in. And, and the faithfulness that always just amazed me, the faithfulness to the vision that God had given them and to yeah. holding each other to that. Um, I know that um, you and Kay have your own story of reconciliation in your marriage that God worked in a beautiful way. And I was just wondering what what would be your reflections on seeing the way Ravi did family? What did you learn from from him? Yeah, I think the the number one thing that I learned was our first dinner in Chicago. Um, I was with uh, my friend Jared Florian, 
and Paul Kepis, one of our board members, and Bob Grinnell, and, and Ravi. And we were in Chicago the night before Ravi was speaking, I think, and we were having dinner, and Ravi's phone rang, and he immediately answered it. It was Naomi, his, one of his daughters. And it was Naomi, I think, was phoning from Colorado, and then he came back after he talked to her, and he explained that she was about to speak, and she was a little nervous, and she wanted to hear some encouraging words from her dad. From that moment, I, he was no longer this big celebrity. He was a father. Yes. And I have two daughters, and that, that he took the call no matter what. And something that I learned with that, that even though he was so far away, that he actually took the call in any country. So his family was the most important thing in, in his life next to his calling by Jesus. I think it was a struggle between the two all the time. That's a fact in any, anyone in full-time ministry. So, but one that's in itinerant on the road for that many years, uh, he's absolutely right. Your spouse has to be twice as much in it as the actual person. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, he used to call the overseas trips long hauls. <laughs> yes. And on those long hauls, you reminisce and you wish and you yearn and you you think of your family all the time. When am I going to be home? And I wish I would have done this and I wish I would have done that. And so I learned to appreciate my wife and, and my kids and time. So that's my answer. What I learned the most is that every moment and every second is so precious and, you know, uh, to glorify God in it. So if you, you know, every meal was a gift. <laughs> every time we came home, maximize it. Mm. But a man like Ravi was being pulled in all kinds of directions from people wanting time with him, from the skeptic to training to recording, whatever he was doing, to writing. and uh, But I know for a fact his favorite thing was to have a meal with his wife. Mm-hmm. Sam's, this is something that was written by Thomas, um, one of Ravi's travel associates, and I just want to uh, read it to you. It's just a text message, and, and you can just respond to it. He says, Nothing made me happier than to see the visible shift in Ravi's mood when Sam's was around. Sands brought lightness, humor, and joy to Ravi's life and ministry these last number of years. I'm so grateful Ravi had Sands as a friend and feel so lucky that I got to tag along and witness that friendship. Mm, wow. Boy, uh, Thomas was uh, Ravi's assistant uh, for a long time, and he was excellent boy. He He served him beautifully. Beautifully he did, and boy— to hear those words, our mood shifts when Ravi walks in a room. But for him to notice that Ravi's mood uh, shifted when I walked in the room, uh, I know I was called by God to work next to him. Yes. Uh, I know God gave me this uh, assignment. I keep calling it an assignment to be next to him. He had a, a sabbatical in... 2015 for about a month, and he was in India, and he asked me to come and meet him there in Goa, India, on the coast. And we had about four days there of just doing relaxing and all that, and 
uh, we had become very good friends by then. The our trust factor was very high. That's part of friendship and comfort. And so we we really began to understand each other. We 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 talked about our parents and all our struggles and everything like that. But when we were in in India in Goa, India, he asked me, Sanja, have you been baptized yet? And I had not been baptized yet. And uh, so the next evening in the Arabian Sea, Ravi baptized me, <laughs> and um, that was an experience that I. I didn't expect. I thought I was checking the box, folks. But uh, when you get baptized by Ravi Zacharias, it's not checking the box. He walked through why Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. And that was about 15 minutes, I would say. <laughs> and then about five minutes on why I should be baptized. And then he invited a, a family, a local family, to watch. <laughs> and they all walked in. They rolled up their pants all the way up to their knees. And the this family walked up and they photographed it, but the, he wanted them to witness it. The next evening we were on um, looking over the sea. I know this sounds so romantic, but we were <laughs> in two rocking chairs laughing and we were drinking iced coffee uh, and it was very, very nice. And he said, Sanj, I'd really like for you to come and work with me at RCIM and be a part of the team and travel with me. And I'd like you to be my confidant. Now, I, I barely got through college. I had heard that <laughs> word before. <laughs> Later on that night, I had to look up the word confidant to really know what that meant. And I said to Ravi, why me? Why are you picking me? Those, I asked him that question. And he immediately said, because you make my step lighter. Mm. And I said... Yes, I, I would be honored. And then I said to him, on one condition, <laughs> that you correct me because I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. And he says, okay, then I have one condition for you. See, you never up one up, Ravi. <laughs> and this is what he said, and I'm going to repeat this quite often during the week. He said, then I want you to remember to do things for people that can't do things for you. Hmm. Do things for people that can't do things for you. Because in this ministry, he said to me, many people will, will want to do things for you. They're going to want to upgrade your hotel room or your flight, or they're going to want to do nice things for you. And you're going to want to do things back for them. But don't forget to do things for those that can't do anything for you. Tip the bellman, Sanj. Look them in the eye. Everybody is equal. Don't forget that, Sanj. Mm. That's my only worry about being in full-time ministry. And so from being a spiritual father to this spiritual hero, he began to mentor me in a way in the very beginning and then it became a friendship, mm. not a mentorship at all. Yeah. We began to minister to each other. And friends, you know, are there for the good, but especially the bad. And life is up and down. For me also, I had some tough times and, and for him. And, you know, he was there for me and I was there for him. And that was friendship. We began to get very, very uh, close. Mm. 
Yeah. And I know we were so thankful um, for the depth of your friendship with Ravi. Ravi is our close friend, Sanju, as a, a brother to us, and and seeing the way that you blessed our friend, uh, that has always meant so much to us, and especially even in this last um, season as well. Uh, I mean, I know you were in consistent touch with Ravi even when he was out of state um, getting treatment, and, and I always feel like you learn a lot about how someone lived uh, by how they die. Hmm. Uh, and I wonder, I know it's difficult, but I wonder if you could reflect with us just a, a bit about what you saw in Ravi in those final months and even final um, weeks and days about the way he approached death and how his faith and his relationship with Jesus made an impact on what that looked like. Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. One thing that I used to always say to him uh, was three things almost on a weekly basis. Either I'd say it to him or I would, I would text it. I would say, Ravi, don't be surprised. Remember your assignment and remember who's doing the work. And I would always remind him of that. And our roles began to change. I began to really pour into him and he needed encouragement because being on the road is lonely. And so you need laughter, you need all of that. But in his last days, I began to remind him of that. And and we began to say the verse all the time, um, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Everything was about Jesus with him. He studied God's word. He knew Scripture, um, he was 100% sure all the time. <laughs> um, we got to talk about how amazing God was in his life <laughs> at the end. Um, he told me lots of private things that I will always cherish. Um, but when a friend says to you, you were there when I needed you the most mm -hmm. as a friend, not as a mentor or anything like that, or I was not his son. I was, you know, I wasn't his wife. None of that, those things. I was his friend. I learned how to be a friend. And I think he's a man that I miss daily. It's very difficult when you're, when you're attached to someone Priscilla, our assistant, said that we were on the road over 300 days last year. You know, that's a lot of time together. Uh, and I loved him. I was honored to serve him. And that's what you do when you have friends. And he served me. I mean, some of the things he did for me were unbelievable. But it was all about cherishing our time together, Vince and Joe. But you I got to a level where I would do anything for him, and that's friendship. Mm. You know, he had a very bad back. And I've, I've never said this, but I don't mind saying this because it was an, it was an honor. I would, I would help massage his back sometimes on the road and, you know, uh, t towards the end, especially the back of his leg was bothering him. And the, but the first time that I massaged his back, <laughs> I wept on his back. I began to cry. Mm. I, I just was like, it was a mixed emotion of, how did I get here, God? Mm -hmm. And I'll do anything for you, Lord, even if it means to rub someone's back and make them feel better. And 
for me, it's been it's been an honor, and it's still surreal that he's not here. As we were earlier talking, I was talking to his daughter earlier. I think everything reminds me of him. I had to put all my luggage away in a closet because every week we were on the road, repack, pack, um, get new toothpaste, get new floss, repack, get your laundry done, fill up the suitcases. How many days we're going? We had so many suitcases that we had a 10-day, we had a 9-day, a 7-day, a 4-day, a 3-day, a one-nighter, so many suitcases for each kind of thing. And so I I just had to put those away. They were just um, such a reminder. Um, I miss him dearly. And uh, um, again, uh, you know, his central message for me would be grace. Mm-hmm the grace that he gave me because he received that grace. And Vince is nodding his head up and down because I think that's how he was with everyone. Vince, he he really taught me that every human being was the same. From getting a call from a sheikh from the Middle East to the Indian restaurant where we would eat, to the waiter when I recently went to pick up food for him, already knew about his sickness, and he knew Ravi's name, and Ravi knew that guy's name. He would always tell me, make sure you tip that guy, make sure you tip him. Sanj, did you give him some money? Did you give that person some money? Everyone knew his name in every hotel that, w- that we would frequent to. Why? Because of the man that he was, that he looked at everyone the same and treated him. We would have to bring books on the road, as you know, and I would say, who are all these books for? We're only going to one or two meetings. He goes, oh, this Bellman, I said I'd give him this book or this waitress that I met last time. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll be there this time. I spent five minutes with her and she has a broken story, Sanj. And I was like, wow, you know. And so do things for people that can't do things for you has been my motto that I've learned from him. That's wonderful. We've always felt like Ravi's public ministry was a natural overflow of what God had done and continued to do in his heart. Um, and it's just always been so encouraging hearing about the stories from the time on the road from you because you you saw Ravi in the most difficult spaces. You know, you saw him after a three or four legs of a flight and completely exhausted and having spoken four times that day and the three meetings that weren't supposed to be on the schedule that were thrown in. And then do you still remember the Bellman's name? And to give that person a tip, you know, you saw those things. And I I think it was that integrity that Ravi trusted God to live with day by day that allowed him to have the public impact that he had. And one of the things you said to me, Sanj, which I loved, was that in those last months and weeks, Ravi was always asking the question, God, what are you trying to teach me? Mm. Um, Not that he was making a direct correlation between what was happening and then a cause and effect, but he just always wanted to learn from God. He had that humble spirit. He never thought that he was done learning. And I just love that a man who taught so many through his life as he came to his final days, he was continually asking Jesus, what do you have for me to learn even in these days? Uh, And there is joy in thinking about Ravi now in the arms of of the one who was always on his heart and mind and lips and and just how much he's learning right now directly from Jesus himself. Uh, and you know, I don't think we're ever going to lose those emotions of what we what we feel when we see the suitcases or when we go to that restaurant. Um, and in some ways, in an odd way, i'm I'm thankful for that because 
Ravi has left us with so much and taught us so much and pointed us to Christ in such a significant way. It's going to be the greatest honor of our lives with whatever time God has left for us to uh, continue to uphold the vision that God entrusted to Ravi and that mm. we feel, as you've said, sands so strongly that we were given an assignment uh, to step into that. Um, one pastor said recently, Ravi not only blazed a trail, he also paved a path for mm. a team um, that's coming behind him. And what an honor that's going to be for however many years God gives us here. Uh, and I know you joined me in saying we already can't wait until uh, we're with Ravi again. And who better than him to show us around when we get there? And uh, I'm sure he's going to have a reservation already in place for a great Indian restaurant. Oh, yeah. Uh, to spend some time. And maybe even the smelly cheese will be good enough in heaven <laughs> for maybe, you to enjoy. <laughs> maybe. I was actually thinking he's, you know, he's still next to Jesus, still asking questions probably. Mm -hmm. What about this and what about that? I could, uh, <laughs> I could see, him, see him doing that. But uh, the man was not perfect and he knew it. But his message matched him. That's what I, I can honestly tell you. Uh, when you're attached to someone like that for about six years, 250 days on the road, everywhere you go, you're almost attached to him, eating almost every meal. He matched his message. Mm. Sand, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing. Um, is, there any, is there any final word of... Um, encouragement or something you want to share with the listeners or yeah I think you know what I'd like you to know is that everything was never about Ravi but it could have been mm. you know it was always about the team the team the team the team and it's what he left he left a legacy of speakers and a ministry that'll that'll go on for years um, that'll have his DNA um, that will continue on. I was actually thinking there are a lot of people that have never met Ravi. They have not met him, but you can still listen to all his, his messages. They'll never be irrelevant. <laughs> the other day I was with the family, and it was a tough week, and I was with each one of their children. We were all in the same room was Nathan, his son, Naomi, and Sarah. And I looked at all the three of them, and I felt Ravi there. So if you ever want to meet Ravi, you're going to have to get all the three of them in one room. <laughs> and when, if you're able to do that, you'll see Ravi Zacharias and all of them because they portray certain personality and traits and looks and everything and um, the way they are. But they all have his heart, which is full of grace. Sanj, thank you so much for being here with us today and um, do encourage you all. If you're praying types, please do be praying for Sanj and the family and in these coming weeks as we mourn together, but also celebrate mm. the life of someone who loved Jesus and what God can do in a life like that. Um, we are very grateful. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time. To find out more about our ministry or to donate, visit our website at rzim.org. If you're listening in Canada, that website is rzim.ca.